about funny stuff. Serious about food. Serious about anything that I'm in the mood for. Serious. Let's get serious. Talk to me, talk to me, tell me about your fantasy. Talk to me, talk to me, tell me about your fantasy. Talk to me, talk to me, tell me about your fantasy. Let's get serious. Hello, you are. Wow, it sounded weird for a second. But it's okay. Okay. It's just us. Everyone at home or wherever they happen to be when they listen to this, they won't hear something weird. So the longer I talk about it, the more awkward it becomes. I already general. feel awkward about it. Yeah. I'm already like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> okay. Well, there was nothing weird <laughs> nothing that happened. happened. Nope. Uh, I'm Kendall Bruns. You're listening. Let's get serious. And today I have not one, not two, but... Well, actually, <laughs> I, I have two. I, I have two, two. two guests. Uh, Brad and Mark. That, yeah. That's us. Uh, Mark and Brad. That works, too. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are your last names, fellas? I'm Mark Llewellyn. There you go. And I'm Brad Yance. Very good. I normally ask how to pronounce names beforehand. <laughs> Before we start. Yeah, But sure. in this case, I just... It doesn't work anyway. I always say the name wrong. They're both it. tricky. Yeah, you butcher them. And yeah. ours are shitty anyway, so... Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. So, But this is good because it lets the listeners... Gives them a... Audio... Audio? 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 Sure. Aural. <laughs> well... Aural. 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 Yes, it gives yeah. them an aural identifier. Yeah. There are three people talking... This is Kendall. This is Mark. And this is Brad. Now, we are not going to identify ourselves every time we speak. No, that would be that would be boring. It would waste time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it would be boring, because I kind of am starting to think it would be sort of interesting. <laughs> it would be kind of obnoxious, probably. Oh, yes. yes Mark it, says. It would certainly be <laughs> we'll obnoxious. Just, we'll just start with everything with... So, well, Kendall, as I was saying... Mark, would you like to answer that? Can we do that? Sure, that Brad. Work? Kendall, what do you think? Just um, use her names and everything. How about that? Yeah. I mean, I've seen that done. Or we could be like Robert Dole and be like, Bob Dole thinks that blah, blah, blah. Oh, speaking oh, yeah. of third person? Yeah. Mark Llewellyn thinks uh, that. Did you watch Boardwalk Empire? Uh, no, I have not watched it. I want to, though. There was a, a little mini spoiler alert, but not really. It's not really, a, a, but just a mini one in the premiere of the second season, which was on last night. There was a scene where... Um, uh, somebody was confused by another person speaking about themselves in the third person. They were having a real hard time with it. It was because well, because people sh- shouldn't do that. Well, it's, it, it's dumb. It's dumb. Yeah, it's dumb. Okay, what does it tell you about a person <clears throat> when they speak about themselves in the third person? I would say that they're either an arrogant son of a bitch or that they have absolutely no self-esteem. And they're covering it up. That, and Brad Yance agrees with that. <laughs> there you go. Beautiful. Uh, the reason... What brings the two of you here at the same... What is the binding connection? What is the thing that you both have in common that might be reason for you to be guests here on the podcast? Why, why are we here? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Okay. Wow, that's um, we're a big the, question. That is a big question. I, I would say that the short answer 
is that we're the co-creators of Musical of the Living Dead. The short answer for a very long question. Yeah, the short yeah. answer is that we're the co-creators of Musical of the Musical Living Dead. Musical of the Living Dead. Uh-huh. I've heard of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, about to uh, begin its second year of performances. That is correct. Am I correct? Yep. October 13th. Specifically, October 13th through, through November, November 12th. 12th. Thursday and Friday and Saturday nights at 7.30 p.m. at the Charnel Charnel House. Charnel House. House. We should have invited them to come over to say their name. Charnel House, yeah. Uh, Which you can find at 3421 West Fullerton. Uh, It used to be a funeral home. How appropriate. I know. Great building. And uh, so that's what we're going to talk about that. Maybe we'll talk about it. We don't have to. We can talk about other stuff. Whatever you want to talk about. Uh, but it's your show. for people that want to go see that, and we'll revisit this information later, but www.musicalofthelivingdead.com. Mm-hmm. Right. So, what the hell does co-creators mean? Go ahead, Brian. Sure. Um, basically, it means that we wrote it, directed it, produced it, uh, designed the sets and built the sets. But basically, the only thing that we didn't do is write the music. Yeah, that's which true. Which we have to give credit to our good friend, Mary Spray, mm-hmm. who geniusly wrote the score to Musical of the Living Dead. Well, certainly... So that's why we go with co-creators, because it's right. a little long. Because of the plethora of different... Sure, and it doesn't fit on a business card. Right. Right. Well, depends on the card. Sure. Depends on Without this. sounding arrogant, it doesn't fit on a business right. card. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, so certainly, any theatrical production is only possible with uh, much collaboration. But this, uh, the genesis of this, rests on your shoulders. That is correct. Yes. yes. We are. We are responsible for its conception. Right. Yes. (laughs) You're the musical of the living dead's daddies. We are. Yep. My musical has two daddies. (laughs) So how did this happen? Um, Was it like... Well, we were drunk. uh Um, There was alcohol involved. There was alcohol involved. Um, No, I mean, it was one of those things that we... We're both very passionate about musical theater. We grew up in Indiana together, and, and um, the capital of passion for musical theater. <laughs> yeah, uh, a really tiny farm town. Had we're we're very lucky enough to 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 be able to be immersed in this tiny farm town with people who supported our love of theater and in particular musical theater, and um, so we had that in common uh, as our young young our foundation, if you will. Yeah, our our youth. Our youths were similar. Wait, so did you know each other? We did. We actually... Yeah. Wow, I, I, a complicated... I met Brad when... I, well, Brad was 15, I think, probably, when I started getting close to him as an individual. Mm-hmm. And I was, I think, 21 at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, he was doing... We those were doing. We were doing community those theater are carefully together. chosen words. <laughs> we were doing community theater together. And we haven't thrown any years out there, so... <laughs> yeah. The mathletes out there won't be able to determine. So you do. You were both involved with community theater. Uh-huh. Yeah, we we both went to the same high school and had the same, not at the same time. No, and had the same uh, dra- drama director, musical director for part of the time that we were both in high school. But again, mm-hmm. not at the same time. Um, who helped kind of 
plant the seed for the love of musical theater was he, in both of us. Was he? And I, I knew Mark um, because he was the he was the famous guy in famous in our guy. in our high school. He was he was the talented famous. Like, what was he famous for? For being an extremely talented performer in musical theater in Winchester, Indiana, hmm. the town of four thousand people. Sure. Yeah. So. There's got to be a star everywhere. There's a star everywhere. I was a big everywhere fish in a you really, go. There's a star. I was, yeah, I was a big fish in a really, really small pond. Yeah, yeah. But but a fish, a big fish nonetheless. No, yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's I mean that's how we know each other. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not really how musical the Living Dead got written though. I mean, it just kind of a secured to us way to answer your question. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's fine. But um, that's our history. Our past. That's our history, and um, we kind of after. after after those few years of doing community theater together, Brad was off in college in Boston. I was living in Dayton, Ohio. And um, our lives, you know, we didn't really have a lot of contact with one another. But uh, he moved to Chicago a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, looked each other up. I was and, like, hey, you're the only person I know here. Let's hang out. Yeah. And um, I, know. I believe that's called the proximity effect. Mm-hmm. Sure. Why not? I'll go with that. I'll buy that for a dollar. Not that we didn't like each other, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, answer to your question, long answer to your short question is um, we uh, really decided we wanted to do a horror production together mm-hmm. and we felt very strongly that it needed to be a musical. And, and how long ago was this? Uh, it was in February of 2010 Ten. when oh. we sat down to actually write it. And we and we had tossed around the idea of um, getting together and working on something together again, and and I think both of us had sort of been out of the theater scene for a few years, and we're looking for a way to get into it, and thought, hey, let's let's do something together. And um, then one night we were hanging out, and somebody said it was Marks who originally said, um, "Wouldn't it be fun if there was a zombie musical?" And then, just mere months later, there indeed was a zombie musical. Remarkable. It was. It was. It was actually remarkably easy and fast. It was. Um, I think from that initial um, night that we we talked about it till we had a completed script was about three months. Um, and then we kind of passed everything off to Mary, who then um, cranked out. 20-ish songs in about six to eight weeks. So um, we were ready to rehearse within probably four months from when we, we initially started. Yeah, that's, there. that's Did true. You, had you given her lyrics? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Mark and I wrote um, the lyrics in the book, and we would say, you know, it kind of feels like this song, or um, it's a country song, or you know, we give her some sort of indication of what was in our heads. And sometimes, a lot of times she would come back with something that was way better than what we had initially initially thought that uh, that it would sound like. And um, that Mary Spray, she knows how to write a catchy tune. She does. Mm-hmm. Mary yeah. Spray, who is also in the off, off, broads way. Indeed. That is correct, yes. She, she plays the piano. No laughing out there! Uh, there's some riffraff in the room laughing. Um... Mary plays the uh, piano playing 
Cassio. Cassio. Is Cassio. Her name. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cassio. Cleverly named. A little pun there for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lots of levels to that one if you think about it. There are. Um, mm-hmm. I think she plays on a chord, though. So. Well, a chord. Can't win them all. Yeah. Can't win them all. Cassio is a much catchier name than Korg. <laughs> Korg. Hey, Korg. And the other broad, Korg. <laughs> Where's the innuendo on that one? Mm. Mm. Well, anyway, so, uh, yes. Had either of you written or produced a stage production before, much less a musical? Um, both of us had lots of experience acting and directing in theater, and... Um, both of us had, I, I mean, I, I'd, I'd written a lot of fiction and whatnot um, throughout my life. Uh, Brad, I don't, I mean, I know you do. Yeah, I mean, your current what, I, right what I do for a living, I, I work in marketing and I do a lot of copywriting for that um, and lots of scripting and things of that nature. So that was sort of the, the writing background, but definitely not um, any kind of theatrical writing. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I think we're just sort of like, eh, let's give this a shot and see what happens. Yeah. Neither one of us had ever like, you know, sat down and actually written a play or, or even more importantly, written lyrics to a song. <laughs> <laughs> and that so is also true. Definitely. Uh, a, you know, I think it was, I think because we were both really incredibly passionate about it, we just immersed mm-hmm. ourselves in it. And we've often said if we knew before we started what we know now we probably would have been a lot more trepidatious about mm-hmm. actually doing it right because it was indeed a lot more work than we expected it to be but we were both just so incredibly passionate about it that it didn't ever ever really feel like work and i think we kind of went into the whole thing saying let's just have fun let's have fun writing it um let's put together a cast of really fun people to work with let's have fun rehearsing it and as long as we are all having fun working on it, then it is successful. Um, and as long as that has always been our measure of success, then we really can't can't fail. So that was sort of our approach. I see. Well, why don't we uh, listen to a song from Musical of the Living Dead? You sure. Recently, um, well, I, I mean, I'm guessing it was recently because it wasn't around last year. True. Recorded a cast album. Yep. And uh, so, and it drops on October the fourth. Blam! That's when our album drops. Our cast album, our cast album drops on October fourth. October fourth. October fourth. Yep. Uh, original cast recording, musical of the Living Dead. Right now, we're going to hear track twenty-seven. Track twenty-seven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the real twenty-seven. The title track. Uh, musical of the Living Dead. It's called. That's correct. I'm, I'm assuming. I mean, if title track of the show called Musical of the Yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so we're going to listen to that and then we're going to talk about it and do some other stuff. So Sounds great. I like that. All right. Here we... Anything else you want to do to set it up? Um, it's the last song in the show. It's, it's the a title track. Song. It's a spoiler. It's... The, it's uh, sure. Sure. I, I mean, it's, it's not really... It doesn't really give anything away. It doesn't. No. Okay. Kind of right. like my last date. Ooh. All right. Here we go. Dead are the living ones. 
All right, musical of the living dead. Yep. That was great. I haven't heard that since last October. Yeah, oh. since Halloween of last, Halloween. last October. Halloween. That um that Mary, she's real talented. <laughs> she is. She is. She writes. Talk about Mary Spray some more. Catchy, catchy tune, doesn't she? Yeah. Gets in your head and just stays in there. Yeah. So when you uh you know, it's interesting to create uh, a piece of entertainment that's themed around a holiday because it seems like a very good idea to revisit it every year when that holiday comes about. It does have a certain built-in appeal at that time of year. Of course, it obviously comes also with a potential expiration date also. Mm -hmm. Although Um, I guess it's not specifically about Halloween at all. No, no. I mean, the show itself is actually set on the first day of summer. Right. So Um, like living... But but Living Dead, just sort of it, it gets just associated. feels right. Yeah, feels I mean, right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, be, you know, being that it's a, a horror themed production, uh, does tend to give it a little bit more attention. Thank goodness, from a publicity standpoint, uh, mm-hmm. during the Halloween season. Um, but it, it's got legs. I think that it could run for longer. Yeah, and Halloween. we're and actually this year we're kind of experimenting a little bit post Halloween, um, starting the run in in middle the middle of October and running through. Um, the the second weekend in November, just uh, kind of a little experiment, seeing how it does when it's not exactly the Halloween right. season. I mean, that's kind of what Rocky Horror did. You know, when mm-hmm. they were playing London in the West End, they started as a Halloween themed production, and word got around. Word got around, and you know, the show grew legs and got extended and stayed a powerhouse of theater campy theater which is the vein that we're certainly in yeah yeah we've definitely modeled ourselves after sort of that that rocky horror vibe so Um, what were some other thoughts going into it you said that you sort of immersed yourself in this project what how did that manifest itself we watched a lot of zombie movies yeah we did how i mean how quickly did you get to zombie movie um, almost instantaneously. I mean, yeah. honestly, like zombie musical. Uh, no, I mean, honestly, the 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 seed in my head was: wouldn't it be funny for a sketch if the people who were in the mall in Dawn of the Dead broke out into a song about being trapped in a mall? And that literally just came to me one day at, at work, and I was just like, "Oh, holy shit! Uh, that's not a shitty idea." And um, that was that was the original seed. That I was like, oh my god, I need I, this. This needs to happen. This could actually be something. And then I formed, it formed a little bit more. I let that seed take root. And I took mm-hmm. my little synopsis to Brad and was like, what do you think about this? And I said, sign me up. I'm all about it. Were you both zombie fans? Yeah, I think I think we are both horror fans um, and horror comedy fans in particular. Yeah, too. I think. I think movies like Peter Jackson's Dead Alive is sort of the the common denominator, um, which gets a bit of a, a nod in the music. It does. It does indeed. It gets its own song, actually. Mm. Um, and then we're, there's also a uh, a sequence a, of carnage that is an homage to that particular film, to involving a lawn mower right. and lots of zombies and gallons of blood. Yes, it's a very bloody affair. It is. It is. It is, it is the... Uh, kind of like my last date. The un- <laughs> <laughs> River blood. It's, uh, it's the uncredited character in the show. 
It's the blood. Yeah. Because it gets everywhere. And all over the audience. Yes. And the actors. But you do provide the ponchos set. or something. We do. Our, we do. You know. Well, they're available for purchase. Sure. Oh, yes. And the charnel house mm-hmm. they're they're very are they a blood friendly venue um we've definitely taken steps to be as respectful of the uh, of the restoration work that they've done on their woodwork and whatnot mm-hmm. uh lining the walls and the floor with tarp and canvas and protection sort of dexterized mm. the area around the set and into the audience where the blood <laughs> does spray um, a good term. yeah uh and, you know, ironically, actually, the man who, one, one of the people who owns the Toronto House, he actually is one of the original co-creators of a show called Cannibal Cheerleaders on Crack, which was also sort of a crazy, bloody, uh, slapstick, very annoyance theater-esque type production from probably about 15, 20 years ago here in Chicago that did fairly well. Um, so he had a very, he, he understood where we were mm-hmm. coming from. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, he certainly had his reservations about <laughs> the amount of blood that we were spraying out into the world. But he understood what we were going for. He got it. He knew it was camp. So when when you you talked about how um, you had some theater background, but what about here in Chicago? I had done some work with um, Off Off Broadway, who we mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. um, and done some work... Um, helping them out with sets, costumes, a little bit of their uh, just production bitch kind of stuff and watching them with their, with their rehearsals and just helping polish some of their, some of the, I don't want to take any kind of credit for, for any of their writing because they're all beautifully self-sustained. But I mean, there would, there'd be times where I'd give like notes and stuff when they were doing run-throughs and stuff. They'd be like, this could be funnier. I'm not sure how, or this could be funnier if maybe you punched it that way, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I mean, I had not really done anything other than that in over ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, How did you connect as, with them? Uh, I well, I've known Mandy Whiteneck, who is also a broad. She and I also grew up together, um, and uh, <clears throat> she moved to Chicago about a year before I moved to Chicago. So she and I um, lived together here in Chicago for seven years. Almost celebrated our common law <laughs> uh, marriage. <laughs> Uh, before I moved out of the apartment. Um, so I've always, I mean, and she's part of that. I became friends with a lot of people in Cupid. Um, and they were... The Cupid players. The Cupid players, yeah, mm-hmm. sorry. Um, and, you know, it was it was because of that and knowing those people that I actually felt a good deal of confidence in sitting down and being audacious enough to think, oh, let's write a musical. Because you knew you knew people who right. could perform. I knew people who could perform and Other help. people to and, draw on. Yeah. Right, exactly. So that was part of the reason why I actually didn't think it was a stupid idea <laughs> to write a musical. Because I knew people who were, were writing their own musical sketches and things like that. And I was like, okay, yeah, I can do that. I kind of saw what went into it from their end, and I was like, yeah, yeah, with the right person. And I immediately thought of Brad. I was like, yeah, yeah, I can make this happen. Did you, had you ever thought about doing it without a partner? Um, what, I mean, what, because I, I mean, I think it's interesting. Um, like, a lot of people work with partners, and, and it, it definitely is, um, it can be a great productive thing uh, and then other people don't do it. <laughs> so right. what was it that made you think that it, a partnership would be better? 
Um, and in this instance, I mean, it was it was definitely just the person. I was like, I was like, Brad is the right person to do this production with, and you know, it just was such a seamless experience. You know, it was funny because the cast last year they kept on saying, "When are you guys gonna fight? When are you they guys kept gonna waiting fight? for it? When are you guys gonna fight?" We were like, um, "Never." It, and and we always said to them, "If we do, you won't see it." Yeah, which was true. Um, but we also just never did either because we just were very simpatico. We were very much in the same mind frame for everything and if there were times that we disagreed on something whether it was like a costume piece or a bit of business or something like that the other one would be like they would explain their side of it and the other one would be like okay okay you're right that works let's go on um so it was a very easy process yeah i mean and And it's been a very easy partnership and as we've you know had such great success with this and found it such a great experience, we've talked about other projects that we want to work on, and we're both just mm-hmm. we're both just nerdy enough and <laughs> like musical theater enough to have enough common interests, but also balance each other out with other sides of the coin too. That we can we, we make a good partnership in that regard when it comes to creating something mm-hmm. that's sort of over the top and self referential and unusual. What are those other sides of the coin? Because you know there's a lot of like when you guys first got in here and I was getting some things ready and you were talking about insurance, you know, there, there's all these things that have to be dealt with yeah. that aren't necessarily like the romanticized creative decisions that mm. go into putting mm-hmm. on a production. So how does, how does that work? Or is that, you know, I mean, I, I, just being able to deal with all that sure, I in mean, addition to the other stuff. One of the things that we did um, in order to produce it was to create our own theater company. Um, Cowardly Scarecrow Theater Company. Which was another horrible idea <laughs> from a workload standpoint. Right. But um, so we kind of created that entity to to share that burden, I guess, with yeah. us. Um, and um, I, I just said, I, I volunteered myself to be like, you know what, I'll, I'll figure out this businessy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, so I kind of did all the research, and we always make all the decisions together. But that sort of, um, so I guess, process and organization um, that would sort of be uh, where my strong suits are in, in, to a certain degree. I'm also kind of a, a structure nerd, so I, I I look at the the show as a whole and could say, okay, here's structurally what needs to happen next. Um, so that's. That's what I would say. Yeah, absolutely. I bring to the partnership. No, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, and 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 mine is probably more of a, I don't know, sort of the 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 the, the buildy, small detail, mm-hmm. intricate kind of. That's that's more my skill set. So, in in that way, it was very harmonious because we naturally gravitated towards certain mm-hmm. to, towards towards certain things that both that that just absolutely were essential in getting done like i didn't mind sitting down and and figuring out how to build a 12 year old girl scout's legs and then <laughs> creating them and putting them together and and how to make all that happen while brad didn't mind getting online and researching the best mm-hmm. place to get insurance because it was just natural it was, they were mm-hmm. just things that we and were was, naturally drawn to and it was never a conversation that we sat down and said okay here's what i'm gonna take care of right let's you negotiate. take care of this it was all very organic it I mean, just it sort just, of happened yeah it was just kind of kind of the yeah. way i mean and certainly there's things that brad has done that are you know very much the same thing that i would do he's mm. you know he just recently built something a creature <laughs> that explodes on stage um you know well, and i think and, I and think then I, i'll and then i'll sit down and i'll you know write an email you know that's very thoughtful and you know 
go looking for handouts for uh, hotel rooms for celebrities that are coming. You know, so we do opposite ends of the of, of each other's jobs too, but mm-hmm. we just gravitate, I think, mm-hmm. more towards our own little comfort zone. And I think what what has uh, improved as the partnership has gone on is that I have learned some of those skills from Mark. I I would have never been able to build the uh, the. Here's a spoiler alert. Oh. There's some changes in the show this year. Some additions. Ask, some yeah. exciting things. But um, I, I uh, figured out how to make an exploding woodland creature. <laughs> a woodland Which, creature. That's, woodland I'm going to be vague. Yeah. It's- um, and uh, I, I couldn't have done that if I hadn't kind of seen Mark go through his process of, of building stuff. Mm-hmm. Great. Awesome. Yeah. So next. So there you go. <laughs> Is that the answer to your question? Uh, yes, yeah, very good. Uh, so It'd be way better if I was well. like, I hate this douchebag. Yeah, yeah. We have actually have absolutely no dramatic This is the first story. time we've people, talked in the same room in six months. Do you think people are disappointed that you don't <laughs> argue more? I mean, where does that come from? Why I don't do, know. Why do I people just know. assume? I don't know. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's funny because I think that in in our in the in the world of theater and creation and stuff like that you do tend to get a lot of very passionate and temperamental mm-hmm. people and i think the you know our close friends did see that we were very passionate about this project and i think they maybe assumed that that there was no way that two people could be so just agreeably like all right no you're right absolutely let's let's do it your way that's fine totally cool um, because like I said, any time that we did disagree, when it, they were all very minute and stupid little things yeah. that, that, that we didn't quite see eye to eye on. I had a vision for a tracksuit on one of the characters. And I just looked at him and, and I was I like, was wrong. and I just looked at him and I was like, no, absolutely not. Not, not, not the right thing. And Brad was like, okay, cool. I see your point. And then there were a couple times that, that you know, there were a couple other little minor things, yeah, like, like, like a bit of business or like the way a joke landed in the script or something like that, where we would be like, uh, do you think it'd be funnier if it was this way? And the other one would be like, yeah, you're right. Or let's try it both ways and see. And whatever, you know, we there's no ego. You know, yeah, I, I think that's a good point. Uh, yeah, I mean, one of us really I don't have. think that's ever come up, but I think that's a part of the reason why, because we were just so passionate about the about the material that we didn't have any ego get in between mm-hmm. us. We were just like, yeah, your idea is better than mine in this instance, or my idea is better than yours in this instance. So whatever's best for the show is the right choice. Right. When you like approaching the combination of musical theater and zombie movie mm-hmm. or, or zombie genre, mm-hmm. sorry. Um, you know, there's a lot of like built in, uh, tropes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, sure. Would that be the right word? <laughs> I, I don't. I know what you're saying. <laughs> I know what you're saying. I don't know what that word means. <laughs> I, I mean, there, there's definitely like uh, the musical Living Dead has a lot of sort of like in joke kind of mm-hmm. right, yeah. kind of stuff mm-hmm. that you don't need. It doesn't rely on it, but there's definitely like um, an awareness of what it, a self awareness of what it is. Yeah, and yeah. I think I think that was from the very very beginning what we wanted to do. Um, there are th- references in the show that are as in your face as listing off in that song that we just listened to all of the George Romero zombie movies. Um, and then there are some that are so obscure that I would be surprised if maybe two people a night actually got them. But that's kind of the, that's the kind of kind of comedy that I like. I like being in a movie theater or seeing a, a, a play or something 
and I'm the only person who gets a joke, I, I love that kind of stuff. So we intentionally peppered a lot of that into the show, into the songs, into the names of the songs, into references that they each make. And I think there is a certain amount of self-awareness that the characters themselves have about the fact that they are in a play. There's, there's very little attempt to uh, create a fourth wall. And how did you decide when, like, what, how much of that was appropriate? Was it just a feeling? <laughs> there was never a conversation about it. It was just one of those things where it was just like, honestly, the more that we could do mm-hmm. it, the funnier it was to us. Yeah. And, the, and I mean, there, there, were, there were things that we were like, uh, this joke is really obscure. And you know what? If no one gets it, it's okay. Because we, we think, think it's, it's funny. funny. You know, mm-hmm. like 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 the fact the fact that the helicopter that mm. the helicopter pilot is flying, it's referred to in the script as the model of helicopter that was shot on film in the original Dawn of the Dead. So we think that's funny that it, <laughs> that, that that we say is that a Bell Jet Ranger too? Uh. Because that's the model of helicopter that was used in the film. No one will probably ever get that joke. Mm-mm. But we don't care. We Until think it's amusing. Now. Right now, Until yeah. millions of now. listeners. <laughs> and, we, you yes. know, and there are some that are slightly more obvious. Like, like we have a ton of quotes, or very close to quotes from mm-hmm. all the Romero films, and a ton of other zombie films. Where, you know, if if you have a, just even a passing affection for zombie films, you'd be like, oh, I know that line. That's mm-hmm. from such and such movie. That's from such and such movie. And that gets tons of titters. Did you ever audience. like? Do you ever feel like that's cheating at all? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Um, only because it's just so it's appropriation. Well, it's not even that. It's it's good it's, artists borrow, great artists steal. That's what they say, and I think too that it's, <laughs> I've it, heard that and quote it's, somewhere. And I and I somebody else said it. It's I'm, done I in such a that. way that it, no one else has has gone to the effort to 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 do that much zombie themed crap in one. Mm-hmm. And stage I, musical at least okay and I, I a lot of times <laughs> like to describe the show as as a valentine to the zombie genre um that they're as much fun of it as we make um there's a real love of it and those lines those little details those are the things that people love about the zombie world um so we we kind of wanted to put that in there and and we wanted people who are totally into zombies to love the show. We wanted people who are really into comedy to love the show. We wanted people who were into musical theater to love the show. So I, it was it was very intentional on our part to to put those things in there. And sometimes it actually took more creativity to figure out how to get a line into something. Mm-hmm. Just just because it was like it was like I was like we really got to pay homage to to blankety blank from from this mm-hmm. this and that and we'd be like how are we going to fit that in? You know, in, in some ways, that's even, you know, took even more creativity to be like, okay, we can make this and this and this happen. It's getting dark in here. It did. Oh, the, the lights, lights just did. Spooky. That's out of We're overloading the uh, system. Oh, yeah, probably. probably. Yes, it's musical Living Dead is a postmodern pastiche. Well, you know, it's interesting. I was thinking about two of the more popular zombie movies of recent years, mm-hmm. Shaun mm-hmm. of the Dead and Zombieland, are also very like much movies about zombie movies. Yeah. Right. And it seems like maybe the genre in general, for some reason is very much like that. I think there's a lot of play within the genre because it is such a, a wide open canvas. Um, 
a zombie can be anything and a zombie movie can say anything um because they are all of us anybody can become a zombie um I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of filmmakers have have intentionally yeah. added a little bit of humor to it. Because if you really stop and think about it, it is a pretty scary concept. The idea, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, just just just, just to put, put that yeah. aside and be like, the idea of, of zombie outbreak really happening and, you know, coming home and finding your wife like a, a raving lunatic yes. dripping blood from her mouth ready to eat your brains is pretty horrifying. So if you can add a little bit of funniness to that, mm-hmm. like she's got a rolling pin stuck in her skull, you know, at the same time, like then then it's like. Uh, that makes it a little easier to take. So I do think that may be one of the reasons why it has famously been kind of partnered with a little bit of a broadness just to kind of mm-hmm. take that that edge off. Because there aren't a lot of zombie films that aren't somewhat funny, at least in places. And, and, I, and the handful there are, especially some of the Italian ones, when they get in, I mean, you, you really sit and you're like, Jesus Christ, yeah, that's some disturbing. Stuff. disturbing. Right. The Italians take it a little more seriously than the Americans do. And you really look at it and you're just like, wow, that's creepy. And I think part of it is also the the, the birth of the modern zombie movie is is born of that exploitation era of mm-hmm. film um, where there was a, a sort of campiness and over-the-top um, use of gore and, and those kinds of things that they used to... Uh, to get people into the drive-in theaters or into the movie theaters in Times Square. So I think that's a, that is a natural place, a natural well to go to when you're trying to, to mine some comedy bits. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned comedy a number of times. Sure. And a lot of the people that are performing, almost all, I mean, as far as I know, they all have like some comedy background. There's, there's some good chops in that cast, um, yeah. How much do you think the unique comedy scene in Chicago played a part in shaping things as well. Huge. I would say huge. Yeah, we were really lucky. I mean, we were lucky to get the cast that we really kind of ideally wanted as we sat down and were writing the script. Some of the roles were specifically written for people that we knew, thinking, oh, maybe this person will be available or will want to do it. And we were very lucky that uh, in almost every single case, they did. Um, Knowing that some of the jokes that we were writing on paper were not going to be done justice until they were delivered by a certain performer. And then we were like, wow, that joke is funnier than I thought it could ever possibly be. Or sometimes, a lot of times they would come to the, the table and be like, uh, I think I can make this joke funnier if I add blankety blank to it. And you're like, do holy it. shit. Yep. Do that. Yeah. Do that too. Mm-hmm. So, um, certainly was a marriage of people who have a lot of improv and uh, sketch, uh, skills to help, hone that material and, and help kind of workshop it a little bit to make it the best that it could be. Because Did we you lucky. do a lot of workshopping before the... No. Nope. doesn't sound like you had a lot of time. <laughs> no. I mean, we didn't really workshop in, in the proper f- phrase, but we just had enough people who were so talented and just passionate. They were also passionate about the material to bring their own ideas and concepts mm-hmm. to it as well in, in a lot of cases. So, mm-hmm. And I, I mean, we cut three songs and about 20 minutes of dialogue from the show three days before we opened last year? It was like six Three rehearsals before. Yeah, it was like six days before we opened. How long is the the show? It's about two hours. It runs about two hours. With with an intermission, it's two hours. 
Um, but yeah, I mean the cast. It's a it's a veritable who's who of the Chicago. Well, let's comedy. hear who it is. Let's well, go I, down I the brought list. a note card because I didn't want to forget. So now, but, how much of the cast is it all the same cast as last year? Um, it's about ninety five percent the same cast. We um, we do have two new people in the show. The cast um, is what? There's like 10 people in the cast. Not yeah, but it sounds more impressive if I say 95% returning. Okay, sure. See, if there's like 10, you could probably figure out the actual percentage pretty All right. easily. Yeah, so, it would be pretty easy. So like 80% <laughs> of the cast is back. Sorry to take your thunder, Brad. That's wow. Cool. Yeah. It sounds, that's a, sounds so a lot. So clearly different. I'm the one who deals with the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Clearly. Almost all of the original cast is back this year. Yes. All right. A large portion. Let's hear some of those names. Let's. Um, we have Adam Yencho, who is one of our, our newbies, mm-hmm. um, and also Jaime Falu, mm, right. is one of our newbies. Um, and then returning, we have Jill Valentine, Mary Spray, Liz MacArthur, Jonathan Hyman, Mandy Whiteneck, Billy Sullivan, Ashley Bush, R. Vance Brinkerhoff, Jacob Clausen. Jacob Clausen. We also have the original band returning too. The original and band, the original, Panther Gun. Um, the band is called Panther Gun. It is. I did not, did um, not. Who's in the band? Panther Gun GFY is, is the name of the band. GFY. What's the GFY? Go fuck yourself. Oh yeah. They. That's their full are name. Ballsy. They, they are, are. They are ballsy. They are. Uh, Tough as nails. We got Matt Mahowich, um, Jimmy Shea, Brandon Warwick, and Justin Paloma are the original band members. And we can't, we can't actually thank them enough because they helped really create a lot of the... Matt did the musical arranging, but then you know they came in and was like, what if I did this kind of a riff on the drums here? And what if I added this kind of bass lick? And we're like, perfect, make so that Mary, happen. So Mary wrote the Mary songs. composed she, the music, yes. Okay. yes. And, and then, she would have some distinct ideas about what it should sound like. And then like. Matt kind of... Matt kind of took that and arranged them then. Yeah. And that, a lot of that was done, you know, uh, with the help of of the band members as well, just kind of putting things together. But he would have like, like there needs to be this kind of lick here, and this needs to be in this chord, and that and that formation, and yada. You know, we're just all kinds we're just throwing around music terms. We yeah. don't, I don't even know what they mean. There's and there's some fermatas. I and, uh, bird's eyes. When uh-huh. I saw the, the show checks. last fall, mm-hmm. I loved the fact that there was a live band mm-hmm. because one of my biggest like pet peeves about seeing musicals is when they don't do that or like when they're playing to record either a they're playing to recorded stuff mm-hmm. right or it's something that i've i'm used to have heard loud <laughs> yeah <laughs> or um and then or just from seeing live music a lot and being used to that intensity of volume mm-hmm. right and then you go see a show and it's like i remember i saw in uh cincinnati at the aronoff theater so it's like one really I've like a there. big theater okay big theater and i saw jesus christ superstar mm-hmm. sure with um oh who was doing it sebastian bach or somebody oh wow like, wow is it him it somebody Could've like been. that could have been as uh as jesus and or maybe he played judas i don't remember i don't remember but uh I just remember being in there and being so like I don't hear the music. Like, are they afraid to to yeah. hurt the old people's ears or something? Right, yeah. Like, what's going? on? I want to feel. I mean, I would hear that record like so loud. And right. like these are like rock songs. Uh-huh. That's what mm-hmm. was cool about it. And so uh, I remember coming, seeing musical Living Dead, and really appreciating that part of the the experience. There's like a real band in there playing music. It's it's not overwhelmingly loud. It's appropriate for the space, but it's like 
some bands playing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, you know, I mean, that's part of it. I mean, it is somewhat edgy. I mean, I don't want to be like, oh, take it over serious by any means because it is what it is. But I mean, there is a, there is certainly an edginess to, to, to the material. It's very, very, very blue. Um, as far as the language goes, the, the as, as my dad said, my dad's critique, they sure do say fuck a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there is some social commentary, whether it's intentional or wry or, or whatever, it's there. Um, you can read into it what you want to. Um, well, let's talk about that for a minute because zombie films have been like definitely uh, are known for treading in that kind of territory, mm-hmm. only, being yeah. like symbolic of other types of things so was there any thought about that kind of stuff in the writing um you know originally the the whole reason why the the zombie genre i think is sort of given that that idea or that concept of of being more important than it actually maybe is is because purely by happenstance George Romero cast a black man as his lead actor in the 1968 Night of the Living Dead only because the man was the best actor available Um, and a lot of people read into it because it was the late 60s civil rights era that kind of thing a lot of people read into it that it was like oh this is one of the very first times that a black man has been featured as the hero in any kind of film Uh, let alone you know everybody else is white and they're all stupid and he's the smart one um but it was George Romero didn't set out to do that on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in his later films, I think he started to do that. He think he, he did, I think he did. It I'm going to tell you what George Romero to, thought. Right. <laughs> I think right he now. did it because people expected him to. Though. Yeah, I mean, you know, Dawn of the Dead is is commercialism. Day of the Dead is um, um, militarism. So um, uh, Land of the Dead is corporations. Um, so I think that exists, and I, I think they're. To a I certain mean, there's, degree, there's, there's some of there's that in our show. There's just a history of using genre to talk about a thing. Right. Sure. I mean, about. absolutely. Most most really great zombie movies, you can take out the zombie and put in any kind of natural disaster, and the story still basically hangs together. It could be a hurricane outside. It could be an earthquake. It could be Godzilla. It could be whatever. Um, but um, that's that. That metaphor, I think, is has always sort of the story is always about the people who are trying to escape and survive. I think that's what our right. show is about. It's about the people in the house, and they're all crazy in different ways. And what happens when you put all these crazy characters in a house together? That's where the comedy comes from. Um, there just happens to be a lot of blood and zombies. All those people flying around. They stop being polite. Exactly. And start getting and start real. Getting real. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if, yeah. If you want to, it's it's the real world. Take it's, it away and really like to analyze it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if they're in a life and death scenario, you're gonna you're definitely going to get more visceral reactions out of people, and in that can lie, you know, very heavy drama, but could also lie the opportunity for a lot of comedy as well. So. You know, if you take a, I mean, if you, if you take away the overwroughtness with which many of our characters deliver their lines, there are actually some pretty pathetic and upsetting things that people say to one <laughs> yes. another. So, in the in that, you could find some social commentary, but we deliver mm-hmm. it with our tongue firmly planted in our cheek. So, therefore, there really we, isn't. We definitely never set out with an agenda to say we want to say this about this. No, right? It was never, never. Anything. Absolutely not. No. But do you find 
it accidentally happening. It, I think the people who come see our show don't ex- aren't looking for that. Honestly, mm-hmm. um, they, I mean, if somebody what really are they looking to, they could. for? They're looking the people that come. To, who are the people that come to this show? A lot what of are it, they looking for? A lot of it's curiosity. Yeah, a lot of it, like a lot of people are like, "How on earth does that work?" A zombie musical. That's the biggest question I think we got when we were at a comic con. People were swinging by the booth and they're like, "What is musical of the living dead? Is that what it sounds like?" And zombie musical and be like, "Yes, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a zombie musical." And so they're they're interested in the marriage of a zombie mm-hmm. movie and a musical. They're like, "How does how does the zombie sing? How how does that how, what how, how does that work? Is there dancing? Yeah, there's dancing. It's a musical. Do the zombies sing? Okay, yeah, we're breaking a little bit of of, of zombie." We break the zombie rules by, okay. by allowing our zombies to actually have the ability to speak and or sing and or tap dance or and or tap dance. Yeah. Um, but it's only because it's it's musical theater and you can do that in musical theater because, you know, there aren't cowboys that tap dance in Oklahoma in real life, you know, <laughs> so you can break that convention. And mm-hmm. same thing with, you know, in any other, you know, there aren't Hispanics in New York City in Harlem. Dancing through the streets. That's not true. About That's being actually, in America. That really, okay. that really happens. That, West Side Story is a documentary. Yeah. Oh, man. I once heard that a story. Robert Wise. That. I mean, don't underestimate Robert Wise. He's from Wise. Winchester, Indiana, also. Is Same that town true? Where we're from. Mm-hmm. No way. It's true. I don't believe and, that. And Twyla Tharp. Is from is Randolph from, County. Is from Portland. She's oh, from yeah, Jay yeah, County, yeah, which yeah. is the same town that Mandy Whitenack is from, which is our same we vicinity. Do have, we do have a pedigree. Let's talk about Mandy for a moment. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. She right. was on the it podcast was an a she while, was on the while podcast ago. A while she, was a, she was a fantastic guest. Yeah. Well, I mean, it wasn't full on crying, but she got a little emotional. Sure. Yeah. As she's wont to do. Um, what is it like directing Mandy? Because I will say... <laughs> Watching her perform in Musical Living Dead, I, I I just I couldn't stop laughing. Right, she's she's like a wild animal. She's a force of nature. She is. How does that? Did she did she come in? Like, how much did you work with her on her character? Or does she like just come in and she had that? You know, what I kind mean, of direction did she take? To be to be quite honest, uh, it was actually a I think a tough role for her because mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, you know, she does. She plays over the top so well, and she and she usually plays like these really just crazy, unfiltered people, um, <laughs> by her own choice. She she plays a lot of roles like that, and she but she saw in Helen the character that we wrote specifically for her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's definitely an an, an an unfiltered element to to Helen's role, but not in the way that Mandy often plays things. She's definitely a different character than I've ever seen her. She is. She is definitely a different character. And we did a lot of experimenting to find the right levels and whatnot for her. Uh, Because Mandy tends to go goofy uh, in a lot of her characters, which is great. She's wonderful at it. She's amazing at it. She makes some of the most amazing characters in the world. Ricky Dicky. Yeah, exactly. And what was that creepy one? The, the glasses that talk like this? Um, <laughs> that's a Cupid player. Yeah, that's a Cupid player, yeah. Um, Sarah. Sarah's her name. Yeah. Um, that was an eerie impression. Yeah. we. I, I lived think, with her for I really seven I think one thing, thing that you should second. start doing, everybody who knows Mandy... <laughs> Should have Everybody to do their impression because they're all different and all correct, all correct at the same time. Because Mandy's so different and correct <laughs> at the same time. Um, but no, I mean, like you know, it, it was interesting because she and I are very, very, very close, and we've worked together for many years, and we've lived lived with each other for seven years. I've known her for more than half my life. 
Um, but there was, it wasn't challenging. It wasn't awkward. It was just one of those things where it was like she, you know, she was just as eager to play the role in the way that we had envisioned it being played because she knew that we wrote it for her. Um, so she, I think she was her own worst critic at times Mm -hmm. finding that, that right characterization. But, um, it was, it was just calling together different things and, and lots of experimentation and our first rehearsal process, our first you know, was was a lot lengthier. We, I think we rehearsed for about three months mm-hmm. uh, the first time around because it was a brand new work and because we knew that things were going to come and go and get cut and get added and things like that. Um, so it was a good thing that we had that. You know, now that we're back this year, it was a much e- much shorter process and much easier because eighty percent of the cast is back. Do you think? Um, I think it's eighty-two <laughs> percent. Do you find? Do you definitely treat different approach? different actors differently as far as directing is concerned absolutely you have to i mean i mean it's like it's like it's like any kind of leadership role that you might find yourself in you need to lead people in a way that's effective for them to get to the place that they need to get to whether you know some people need very blunt like all they want to hear is what they're doing shitty so they can fix it some Mm -hmm. people need to be coddled and have their hand held and and be told how they're how great they are and if they could maybe just tweak this a little bit it'd be even greater. you know they're listening to this right we've never worked with any of those people before never <laughs> um but you know i mean we were lucky that everybody was very passionate about this particular project but i mean yeah in the past not this particular production but in the past we've definitely independently mm. worked with much more obnoxious people probably i know <laughs> how, i how certainly did, have yeah. how did you handle communicating with actors with the two of you it's been fairly simple and <laughs> it was, fairly it was just kind of like a mind reading kind of thing going a on. Lot yeah, of it, yeah. I think, I think a lot of times we'll just say it out loud to the, to whatever, whatever note we need to give, we give it. And generally, unless it's some like huge change, I don't think either, either one of us ever, uh, censors what we say or edits what we say, wondering whether or not we should have said it because, again i think it's we're just generally on the same page so so direction could come from either one of us and the cast knows that too and they'll approach us you know they you know if one of us says one thing then they know that it's gospel because it's coming from one do you of ever us, play so. good cop bad cop <laughs> it's funny that you say that <laughs> no this, we actually haven't found that we needed to play no good we cop, haven't said cop, that so. we haven't needed to do that uh, we did have a discussion about that last night, um, but um, but no, no, it's, I think it's good cop, good cop is sort of how we, I don't think, have we ever yelled? I mean, no, I don't think we've don't think we, ever been any yelling. There, I mean, there've been a couple of times when we've had to be a little bit more serious Some about something. But, terse, if you will. Yeah, but it's never really been no. the need for that kind of like severity where like, Motherfucker, better learn your fucking lines right now, or I'm kicking you out of the show. I mean, like, it's, no, there's it's, no point in that. Clearly, kind of, you're capable. I, yeah, yeah, but, there, but, but there's. <laughs> I think. I think the other the other side of that um, is I, to give the cast yeah. credit in that that they've never needed that. Right. Exactly. They're all very mature professionals too, so they don't need that kind of direction. They wouldn't want that kind of. They wouldn't respond to that kind no. of direction. That goes back to to leading people in the way that they need to yeah. be led. Why don't we listen to another song? That sure. sounds delightful. Uh, we're going to listen to track 14. Oh, that's a Otherwise good track. known as Perfect Weapon. Crowd favorite. Um, and why do you think this is a crowd favorite? How can you tell? Um, it gets a very good response at the uh, the end of the number every night. And um, 
It's uh, it's a men's quartet, which is always very popular. Uh, it's a cappella. <laughs> is that a rule? It's it is. It is a rule. Popular. It's a rule. Men's in quartets the, in the circles popular. I travel, and it's very popular. Men, people people <laughs> like it when the, when there are, are a cappella quartets. You can't lose with a men's like the, quartet. The last date I had. <laughs> All right, River Blood. Okay, here we go. Track fourteen. Perfect weapon. When they've got your ass on the run I always choose this here shotgun Hits them in the head from farther away The right to bear arms is the American way It's the perfect weapon The weapon I choose It's the perfect weapon With this thing I can't lose A gun can jam, you've got to be kidding You can run out of bullets like a van was forbidding If it's good enough to kill Colonel Mustard in the study Then this lead pipe will be my zombie killing buddy It's the perfect weapon The weapon I choose It's the perfect weapon With this thing I can't lose Neither a gun nor pipe will I trust my life For me I'll stick with my trusty hunting knife This knife is the weapon that I'll be toting And unlike a gun, blades don't need reloading It's the perfect weapon The weapon I choose It's the perfect weapon With this thing I can't lose I'll take a bat and bash in some skulls It's a man's weapon to use, it takes balls Some people say I'm crazy to use this sucker But I say batter up, motherfucker It's the perfect weapon The weapon I choose It's the perfect weapon With this thing I can't lose to cover your back, it takes an axe. When they've got your ire, set them on fire. Take my advice, I'll use a knife. When things get tight, dynamite. I'll take a gun. I'll take a pot. I'll take a bat. It's the perfect weapon. That was perfect weapon from the musical A Living Dead original cast recording on sale October fourth. Nice. Nicely nice done. plug. Thank you, sir. <laughs> How can people buy that? Uh, they can buy it at the show. Uh-huh. Uh, it is also... But that doesn't start till October 12th. True. True. October 13th. 13th, actually. Uh. Um, uh, it's also available through our website, www.musicaloftheliving.com. Mm-hmm. They can get go it there. there and buy it. Uh, if, they, if they pre-order their copy today, they, say they get free shipping. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Is there a digital option? Not, Not yet. Currently. Uh, but I, I, I'm, I would make a guess that we'll, we'll have a, an iTunes option by the time the show opens. Right. What about vinyl? Any plans no, for vinyl? I would give my left nut Cassette to have tape. On There's vinyl. a little bit of a resurgence cassette. in no, cassette tape. There's no mm-hmm. reason for that. No? But I would be happy to have it on vinyl. That'd make me really happy. All right. It's expensive, but it can be I done. I know it's expensive. That's why we haven't done it. <laughs> um, that's a great song. Yeah. How does... How... So let's talk about that song specifically uh, as far as like generation of a song, like how that went. Why a song about 
what's the perfect weapon? Um, part of it, I think, is just born of the characters. That's what they're going to have a discussion about. Um, they're getting ready to go out there. And you created these live characters, and then they just they write, they just they take write over. It you know, man. They, they tell us what they need. <laughs> as cliched as that is, sometimes you do sometimes find yourself... True. In a situation um, where you're like, the, the character wouldn't do that. I, right. Yeah. I, the character has to be true to the character. I think the actual specific genesis of that song was, the script was probably, I'm not going to use percentages. Um, <laughs> you know how I feel about percentages. It was, it was largely complete. Um, <laughs> largely complete. 80%. <laughs> probably more like 86. Yeah. Um, anyway, we were going through it and we were like, you know what? there needs to be a song here. There needs to be another song here. And we just kind of went through the script that way. And then as we were going through it, um, in that spot, we said, well, what would be a good song in this spot? What's happening? What are, what are the characters doing? What do they need to be talking about? And I had just finished, um, the book, uh, the zombie, uh, zombie survival guide by Max Brooks. Um, and he has a very large chapter on what the perfect weapons you will need in order to su- survive a zombie apocalypse. Um, and uh, so we started talking about that and decided that that was sort of maybe the direction to go was to let's let's have the, each of them talk about what the perfect weapon would be to dispose of a zombie. It, I think part of why it works so well as a song is it plays that part of everybody's thinking of well if i was in this situation what would i do sure mm-hmm. you know and you know your scenario of where you would go or you know what what weapon you would have right. so mm-hmm. it's like it's a really kind of relatable in that sense and so i think it works yeah and there were there were times too where where just our affection of the musical theater genre mm. also led us to a point where we'd be like it's not really musical unless you've got a song about blankety blank in it mm-hmm. so like what kind give some other examples of how the musical part because i think probably there has been probably an emphasis on the living dead part of the this. zombie mm-hmm. part of it yeah yeah that's um, true that's true i mean and, and you know what we'll take the publicity for where <laughs> from wherever channel it comes from but i mean I, this and is and this is not a joke musical i mean the music's no. really good and yeah and the, the yeah. performances are great and yeah i mean it is it is one of those things that you know um we did take it very seriously as 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 a as a love letter to to musicals as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of us have a huge affinity and respect for musical theater. But yeah, there were certain times where you'd be like, you have like your two lead females, and you're like, um, there's always a duet between your two lead females that somehow battles things out or makes them come together. One of those things, mm-hmm. and that's where the song Heaven came from for for Mandy and Jill. We were like, there's always a song like that. In every musical that's successful, it's just formulaic. In mm-hmm. the way that there's always a gunshot head wound in in a, in a zombie movie, right? You know, we were like, you gotta have it. You know, there's in, in just about any zombie in, in just about any musical that's worth its salt. There's got to be a tap dance somewhere, so we have a tap dance. You know, mm-hmm. um, musical of the Living Dead, the song musical of the Living Dead, um, was based on the fact that a lot of shows have a title song. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we kind of challenged ourselves to write a title song. And what would that title song be? Um, the love duets, you know, were born of just that need for like, you know, what's what's a radio single? Could, what, what could possibly be a radio single? Wicked had one. Why can't Musical of the Living Dead have a radio mm-hmm. single? So we'll write a radio single hit, too, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's that one called? That's Dead Alive. Dead Alive. That's our radio single. The radio hit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
At least the one that could possibly have legs in theory and actually exist outside the world of the stage show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was, it was sort of the, the discussion that we had was, we need, we need to write a song that is the song that every girl will want to sing in auditions for the next five years. Right. Sort of our somewhere that's green. Mm-hmm. So we never Little have Shop. to hear that song again. Just kidding. It's a <laughs> lovely song. Uh, what was the reception like with the first year of musical Living Dead? Um, overwhelmingly it, positive. Um, we always loved it. Um, and what was the reality compared to what you had predicted was going to happen? I, I think at every turn, at least for me, it has far exceeded the ex- expectations going into it. Um, even as we go into year two, the amount of attention that we've gotten off season, if you will, um, has been, um, amazing and, uh, a little unexpected to me. It Um, is. I mean, it's, it's very unexpected to me as well. It's very surprising. Uh, the, not only just the accolades, but just the attention and the curiosity that, that, that people have been giving this show. Um, and I say it. I say it's it's surprising and it, and and it's bewildering and it's flattering, humbling. Yeah. yeah, but not to take anything away from as as flattering and humbling as it is. There's also just this sense that I think Brad and I both all along knew this show would be successful too. Mm-hmm. We knew that we were diving into something that would have a broad appeal. Not to say that we thought that we that we were arrogant enough to think that we were going to do it better than anybody else, but it was one of those things where it was like this could really this. be something big. This could really have an appeal, and we felt confident in in what we'd created and the music that was there for us. Thank you, Mary Spray, and all these other things. We were like, this is good, and is it, it, I think I think what really shocked me and probably Brad too was how good it actually was, and that was the thing where I was like, wow, this is better than I ever imagined it could possibly be no wonder it's getting all this attention no wonder it's getting all this this praise you know and that was due in large part not just to to, to the to the actors that we had the, the amazingly talented actors who really mined it for everything mm-hmm. it was worth and and mary who wrote the music and then the band who played it beautifully and and uh, sam wells who did our pa- poster design and you know we were we were so lucky to have so many passionate and talented people around us at every step of the way that yes, while it's shocking and it's flattering and it's humbling, it's also not surprising because it was just, it was set up for success at the same time too. How many performances did you do last year? Uh, 13. Yeah. 13. And were there, um, was there like one show that like stands out (laughs) as I know we're both thinking the exact same moment. (laughs) You mean when Mandy's wig fell off? Yep. That would be it. Well, tell us about that. Um, Mandy gets a little worked up during one of her numbers. A little. Um, and, uh, one, 80% worked up. She, she, <laughs> she, gets, she gets 95% worked up. Uh, one night, she got 98% worked up. And uh, she was jumping around, and uh, her wig fell off. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just one of those moments where the, everybody who was on stage, and it was almost the entire cast, uh, just stopped and looked at her. And they all, in tandem, just turned around with their back to the audience. And you could just watch their shoulders, shoulders shaking shake up and down. as they were just doing everything they could to just not die laughing. And she stage. never broke character. Nope, it was she amazing to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Shockingly, she just like went 
grabbed it off the ground, threw it on backwards, and just kept on singing her little heart out. And we were just like, oh, my God. I think I actually had beer come out of my nose. Yeah, it was. I was taking a drink of beer when it happened. I was like, oh, God. Did you just sit in the audience every show? Um, yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was just one of those things. It's it, the, the show itself is just so ridiculous, and the actors have so much fun doing it that it's fun for us to watch it every night. And it's a little bit different every night because yeah. they're always bringing in a little something little something extra there's some ad libs that change every night just because the actors are fearless in that way and stuff like that so yeah. it's fun to watch fun what to was watch. what was the biggest disaster of year one i don't know that we had one i wouldn't call anything a disaster really um i'd say oh okay okay yeah no there's a disaster oh there's um, a disaster there's a disaster uh um we had to buy all new not all. Oh, okay. We had, we had to buy, we had to replace probably 80% of the costumes uh, before we could open like because the, the blood uh, that we were fairly certain was non-staining recipe that we used. Um, Cause it said so all the ingredients claimed to be non-staining and non-toxic um, found out that, that maybe the combination of them contributed mm. to being very staining and very not good. Right. Uh, so I would say that was probably the closest thing we actually had to a disaster last yeah. year was that we actually had to go out and buy a, a ton of it seemed like Brad had something opened. else in mind though for a moment no no, I mean that was it I, I wouldn't call anything a big that would be yeah. the biggest disaster that we had um, replacing those costumes and such the, a short period of time and then testing out a new blood recipe on opening night yeah and that was how yeah. do you research was, blood recipes is it just an online well thing? there's this thing Are there called trade Google um, uh, a combination of all of those things, I think. Um, we did some research online. We looked at other people's recipes. We had people who would tell us, like, oh, you should try this thing. That works really well. Um, and ultimately, what we had to end up doing is just sort of m- taking the best of all of that and figuring it out for ourselves. Yeah, a lot of the recipes kind of had some some common denominators. And a lot of those common denominators were things that we were like, no, that doesn't work for us. Because a lot of our blood sprays and flies through the air and a lot of the common denominators for a lot of recipes are either uh caro corn syrup or liquid detergent and it just it gets in our actors mouths and faces and eyes so it can't be soapy and caro corn syrup is just too thick and starchy and bug attracty uh um to 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 go through the 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 devices we use to project blood through the air um, and by devices, we mean super soakers. Yeah. Um, so we did have to, we had to play around. We had to find some certain combinations of, of ingredients and things like that to really come up with a recipe that was opaque and bright enough to be seen from 14 rows back, but also uh, cleanable enough for us from this, from, from, from uh, not wanting to spend three hours cleaning the set every night and, and the washing costumes each costume. couldn't be replaced every night. Yeah. So. You know, there was a practicality in that. Also, we didn't want to get sued. Yeah. Uh, by anybody in the audience who got uh, a fur coat stained. Right. Mm. So there were a lot of considerations that we had to take into our blood recipe that don't necessarily go into a lot of other people's. Because yeah. cinematic blood, they don't give a shit if it gets all over their costumes and ruins it. Because they have budgets that we don't have. And they can. Does the blood taste bad? Or does uh, it taste good? Um, this year, it's actually pretty tasty. We tasty fi- we, we, we've You've landed on. You tweaked the recipe. Uh-huh. We did tweak it again. Yeah, yeah. It's a new recipe this year. Yeah, I. You know, last year I just. You know, our cast was troopers because God knows some of them got nasty, nasty shit in their eyes and their <laughs> mouth last year, and they just kept on going. God love them. Um, 
So, the, you know, that was definitely something that, that Brad and I, and, and it was hard to clean. We'd spend mm-hmm. two, three hours a night cleaning up the set and doing laundry and stuff. So um, we did want to make it very bright and very visceral and very fun and easy to watch. But we also want to make it very easy to wash, too, and clean. So, yeah, we tweaked the, re- the blood recipe this year. Um, what are some other changes people should expect if they're coming back? There is a new song. Um, there is a new version of an old song. Yep. Um, and I would say that um, the script is a little tighter. Yeah. Um, we took sort of the, the best of improv lines from, um, from the run last year and actually officially put them into the, the script. Which made all the actors very happy, they to, were see very that, happy. to see that their, some of their improvs made it into the official version of the 2011 script. They were all um, excited about that. So those are sort of the, 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 big, the big differences. Um, uh, 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 well, the other big difference too, Brad, this year is there's a lot more blood. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, from, the, from November 1st last year, um, as we were planning year two, we said year two is more bite, more brains, more blood. Hell, I mean, honestly, n- not to interrupt you, but I mean, we added more blood. Too late. Throughout the run last year. From, from opening weekend to closing weekend, the show probably got at least 50% more bloody. For anybody, fifty-five <laughs> percent. Um, I was, that was truly unintentional uh, to throw right. that in. Um, but a lot of, well, uh, we really did add a lot. A lot we, of we charts like, and like, graphs there associated are. with yeah. this well, I, I can, episode. I think we can illustrate it this way. Um, There's a pie opening chart night. The splatter zone was the first two rows of the audience. Mm. By closing night, it was the first four and a half to five, five rows. rows. Yeah. yeah. So that half row. Yeah, that's yeah. The one where you really get it. Well, because we well we actually ended it at their feet, so like yeah, yeah. It, we we warned them that their jeans might get dirty, but yeah. we probably wouldn't get their jacket dirty. Okay. Um, I yeah. think I stayed out of the splatter zone. I, think I you don't, did too. I don't so, really want to get splattered personally, but it was fun to watch other people get splattered. Sure, right? was it not? Yeah, and yeah I mean, it's and fun. that's part of the, the the appeal too. Is you know there are people who will come specifically and want to get there early so they can sp- sit in the splatter zone and not worry about having a poncho on and be excited and like actually dodge to be in the blood mm-hmm. versus yeah, yeah. the people who are like, oh no, I couldn't possibly. For um, them, do you make the blood kind of warm? <laughs> it's room temperature. It's room okay. temperature. Yeah. Okay. That, yeah. that's probably a little bit beyond our scope of well, we maybe 2012 you know we can, we can aim for future warm innovations blood. Warm, yeah. blood. Uh, warm blood put a microwave back there put it on defrost for about two minutes then and it's ready to shoot <laughs> yes indeed that's what she said so when did the idea about doing the cast recording come about and how did you do it um that we decided on early last year too actually we said we had you know we you know in sort of a masturbatory way we were like god wouldn't it be nice to have a cast recording of this that we could listen to yada 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 um but as more and more people who came and saw the show said do you guys have a cast recording and not like our moms (laughs) <laughs> but actual like real, strangers real strangers would be like like do you have a cast recording because i'd love to buy the cast recording that's when we realized oh maybe shit. we should do that we need we need to we need to make that happen um so we made a commitment to make sure that we had it happen this year because we you know we went to a couple of different horror conventions and whatnot across um the tri-state area if you will uh these last few months and you know a lot of people that we interacted with were like do you have a cast recording i'd love to i'd love to hear it that sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we realized we got to make this happen sooner rather than later. And are you guys doing a lot of social media type stuff also? Yeah, I mean, 
a large portion of uh, of our marketing is is Twitter, Facebook based, um, kind of growing the fan base that way. Um, we were uh, also invited to do uh, Wizard World Chicago Comic Con this year, um, and uh, collected a bunch of names from that. Uh, people who signed up for our email list. So a lot of the the marketing people um, who came to our panel, uh, our sold out panel. Yeah. Um, you had a panel at Wizard World. We, we had, had a panel, a panel at, at yeah. Chicago Comic Con. Um, that they had to turn people away from because we were so big. Wow, we need a bigger. Put them in a bigger hall. Yeah, yeah. people people waited for like an hour and a half, two hours to see our panel. Really? We were expecting like six people. We, we, yeah, we were. Was like, there a performance as part we, of the we, panel? We did a preview yeah, of we did five teasers. or six songs, something like that. I mean, you, um, having seen the show yourself, you know that. I mean, we certainly couldn't just go and do like the whole show. Sure, sure. But with sets, props, costumes, blood, all that stuff. But uh, yeah, we wanted to give the people who were there, you know, a taste of of, of what we're about too. So we had people dress up in their costumes, mm-hmm. and did a Q and A, and sang some songs from the show just to kind of give them a feel for what the show's like. And are there plans to have the show travel at all? That's on our 2012 dream goal board. Yeah, yeah. I've secreted it. It's on my secret board. Yeah, mm-hmm. I put it up on my on my dream my dream board, my believe board. What, um, what's Oprah have? She's got one of those things, right? We, you know, you're the gay yes. I don't know. Right. Uh, I don't watch what? Oprah. Did I, just, I just outed Mark. Oh. I've been outed on, on a podcast. Well, there you go. Breaking news, fellas. <sighs> Guess what? Mark's gay. Um, <laughs> That's going to be the headline. <laughs> Guess Ep- what? Episode. I don't know what episode Ma- Mandy this is. Mandy's shocked over there. <laughs> Her jaw just hit the floor. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, yes. The elephant in nah. the room this whole time. Yeah. Finally. Okay, Probably now. Even, even more shocking is that I'm the straight one. Right. That is actually more shocking. What? I know. Breaking yeah, right. news. Breaking this just news. in. Just, this just in. This just in. One of them's not gay. <laughs> Unconfirmed reports are coming in right now from Kendall and Manny's apartment. Hard to know what's fact from fiction here. Rumor versus verifiable fact. <laughs> Film model 11. Um, yes. Sorry. We are planning on going on the road. Yeah, uh, it's not in any way, shape, or form, you know, settled or anything like that. But there are a couple of different cities uh, that we've uh, begun looking into. Um, the cast and crew has expressed an interest uh, and desire to also go on the road, um, you know, for maybe a long weekend or a couple of weekends or something like that. Uh, obviously, it would be very expensive, um, cost mm. a lot of money to take mm. an entire production somewhere like that. That's a big. That's a big factor. Was this right a now. profitable show last year? If you don't mind me, it's rude to ask. It, but I think no, people are fine. curious about that sort yeah. of thing. Like you put on a show yourself. Um, you it, know, is it possible to do that and not end up spending a lot of your own money without return? Um, we we broke even this this past year, um, which uh, is a is a pretty good measure of success for. People who produced their first show in Chicago, wrote their first show, wrote their first musical. A lot we, of our friends who've gone down similar avenues that. were, you know, pretty shocked to hear that we were able to break even. You know, we were also lucky; we didn't have to spend a lot. Um, 
you know, we did we didn't spare any expense on certain things, but we also had a lot of things donated or given to us in in trade for mm-hmm. for other work and whatnot too. So, uh, you know, stage seven seven a lot of blue jobs. Stage seven seven three was very good to us. Took good care of us with the equipment and space and things like that, which was nice. Um, La Costa Theater Company. Yeah, they let us have their space uh, for rehearsals and whatnot. Um, and we and we did have an, an an angel who gave us a donation invested in the show early on after she saw a couple of rehearsals, uh, Mandy Whiteneck's mom, Diane Whiteneck. Um, but you know, I think everything that everything that we put into the show for the show itself, we were able to break even on. We did spend a yes. lot of money on incorporating becoming not for profit. It's real fees, expensive to like become that. a not for profit. Yes, you that we didn't recoup in our first year, but if you if you want to break it down and be like, what did this show cost to produce this show? What did it cost to produce? Yes, we were actually able to say that we broke even, um, basically. Mm-hmm. And is the not for profit doing other things other than? Um, yes, yeah. I mean it's uh, it's you know currently producing musical Living Dead. Um, we have produced, um, a couple performances of the off, off Broadway, mm-hmm. um, soon to be producing the new sketch comedy group, menthol, menthol robot, robot making, uh, hopefully making their sketch comedy debut at sketch fest. What is menthol robot? <laughs> uh, menthol robot. Menthol robot is a, uh, <clears throat> It's going to be groundbreaking sketch comedy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Three, three actors, um, kind of, kind of un- unknown upstarts. Sure. From the Chicago theater scene are, um, collaborating for the first project ever as a sketch group. Uh-huh. And, uh, you'll be able to learn more about them at, uh, sketch fest 2012. This hopefully, year. hopefully. Okay. Um, you don't want to say too much now. You really don't. You, you no, really don't want to. You no. don't want to give it. You, you know. Menthol robot, which may or may <laughs> not be a real thing, <laughs> which may or may not be real funny. I don't know. Oh, it'll be real damn funny. So, musical Living Dead. You mentioned earlier uh, you're gonna have some special guests. Yeah, I mean, we uh, we're super excited this year that um, Bill Hinsman, who was the uh, original zombie in the cemetery in the 1968 Night of the Living Dead, uh, is coming to see our show opening weekend. Um, he's going to be there to watch the show. He's going to do a Q&A after the show. He's going to sign some autographs. And um, he's really excited to come see it. So we're excited to have um, an original Night of the Living Dead cast member there. Um, I think technically you could call him the, the first modern zombie. I, yeah, I, I on film. just kind of jokingly called them Zombie Zero the other day on Facebook and kind of kind of caught on to mm-hmm. some people who were commenting on it that he kind of is Zombie Zero because George Romero certainly, I, I mean, he, he, he invented, or he's responsible for the modern zombie, yes. There were other things with zombies and the voodoo and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Bela Lugosi. Yeah, from the 30s some and 40s. 30s and 40s, yeah. But uh, yeah, Romero is kind of responsible for the whole idea of a cannibalized can, can, cannibalism they're not really cannibals because they're not really humans so what do you call them zombies you know um and so yeah bill hensman is here's, zombie zero and here's a little bit of trivia for you the word zombie is never said in the movie night of the living dead it was never said until the cranberries song zombie <laughs> wow they cran- they they coined that dolores yeah. del rorio or dolores. whatever wow <laughs> I'm the gay one. Yeah. <laughs> this might be a good time for us to remind people whose voice belongs to who. 
Uh, this is Brad, straight one. And, I, and I'm Mark, not not the straight one. Right. Right, and I'm Kendall. So, <laughs> moving on, um, we're kind of wrapping up here. Sure, yeah. So, is there anything else? I, I mean, I guess... Let's repeat the pertinent information. Let's put all the most important stuff at the end of this podcast. Well, it was at the beginning. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was at the beginning. This is the wrap up. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, So it's Musical Living Dead, October 13th through November 12th, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights, every week during that period of time. Every week during that period of time. Yes, sir. Is one of those days Halloween? No. No. Halloween falls on a Monday this year, which is gay. Bummer. Yeah. Uh, so 7.30 p.m. Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights are in the at the Charnel House used to be a funeral parlor they're cool mm-hmm. with the blood because you, you're responsible about it at 3421 West Fullerton uh, you can find more info at com, where you can also find out information about buying the cast recording starting October 4th you can pre-order it you now. You can pre-order it now. Wow. Pre-order it now. Why wait? There people, might be, why can wait. people buy tickets now? They, they certainly can. can. Yeah, also through our website. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, okay. And if they get That's their great. tickets now, they're actually saving 25% off of the door price. So How much does it cost? 20 bucks uh, if you order now. 25 at the door. All right. So. And the theater is BYOB. Which is another Ooh, Which is really bonus. important. I think, I think a large degree of the success of the show... <laughs> Depends on how drunk you are when you watch it. Interesting. And we actually encourage people to get wasted while they're watching the show. Wow. Well, we have a yeah. Is there a musical of the Living Dead drinking game? Yes. Yeah. Yes, there is. If you come and you, you arrive on time and you're there for curtain, you'll actually uh, have one of the characters tell you how to play the drinking game. Interesting development. Yep. Mm-hmm. So. That kind of behavior is encouraged. We want people to dress up like their favorite characters, sing along, get their lighter out and wave it in the air to the, the ballads. That those, kind of the diehard, the diehard fans. Yeah, should yeah. they come opening night or should they come like, like is there? They a should prime come every time night. To come really, every night. You know, honestly, we actually had people come back several times last year mm-hmm. to see the show again, and not again, not just our not, moms, not but, just people that are related <laughs> to us, um, but actually people would come back and see the show two or three times and bring and bring more people with them, and that was One very guy brought exciting his kids. for us um, <laughs> to see that kind of like excitement from from people. Uh, so that's kind of that we're encouraging that we're actually telling people that if they if they dress up as a zombie or with their favorite character from the show, they get free swag at the box office. Swag being code for something. Goodies. 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 Not marijuana. Oh. Oh, yeah. Does it sound like that? Because that's totally not what it is. Oh, no. It's not like a lighter or a beer cozy or a sticker. That's what we're talking about last week. (laughs) Kind of ruined the mystery there. Promotional items that say Nuggets of the Living Dead on. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mark. Brad. For taking the time. Talk musical of the living dead. I look forward to seeing it again this year. Thank you, Kendall. Thank you. I like to end the show, as you may very well know, by letting the guests have the final statement, word, saying something. And it's very, uh, it's no pressure, but it's like kind of a big deal because it's the last thing people hear. And then it goes to music. And anyway, so it's like, it says a lot about you. It's lasting people. It's like last impressions or lasting impressions. I don't know. Okay, anyway, now, now I'm nervous. <laughs> now I'm nervous. Yeah, so just, I, you I know, whatever. Word, it's hard or... when there's two people because, you know, is there coordination? Like, oh, what is it going to be? But anyway, it's for you guys to figure out and go. Musical of the Living Dead. See it.
85% more bloody. <laughs>